Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to wherever you are in the world. I'm Tristan Mays, your host, and in this episode of the podcast, we interview a fellow operator called Mark. He's based out in Texas in America, and we get an insight into what it's like to be an operator currently in America. We also get a good insight into the impacts of the coronavirus and what it's having on the industry, construction, crane and otherwise out there and the hardship that the Americans are going through at the moment. And we can compare it to ourselves. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. This week's guest is Mark. Mark is a crane operator based out in Texas in the US. Obviously, we're having guests on at the moment um, in different countries to hear their take on what's happening currently with the coronavirus and um, just basically to get their, um, you know, to see what it's like out there, how it differs from the UK as well. So uh, welcome, Mark. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, absolutely. No problem, sir. No. So you are, Mark, you're based out in Texas. You've been operating cranes now for, well, a long time, haven't you? 30 years, I'd say. Easily 30 years. Easily. Um, Crawler cra- cranes and mobiles or just crawler cranes? Uh, basically anything and everything except tower cranes. Uh, I don't like oh. heights. <laughs> I hear you there, mate. I don't touch tower cranes. I don't touch mobiles, but I definitely don't wouldn't touch tower cranes for two reasons. One, I don't mind height, but I just can't see the point of climbing all that way to go to work. Right. And two, they're boring, aren't they? Well, yeah, that too, that too. And, and I got another reason, a third one, and that is um, if you are, uh, if the cabin or the cab, whichever one you want to call it, is no higher than, uh, I believe, 300 foot, I believe is the minimum. Yeah, 300 foot or 350 feet. If it's below yeah. that and anything goes south with your base, with your foundation, you yeah. are sideways elephant. Yeah, you know. You're screwed, aren't you? Yeah, you are screwed. And yeah, and yeah, you are trapped like a rat. And whereas if you are above uh, 300, I believe it was 300, 350 foot, I could, I could, mistake. Uh, then you have an, an escape. And I'll tell you what that is. Now, it's kind of risky, but there is an escape. And that is right. a, ba- a base jump parachute. Cause, really? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The minimum height of a base jump parachute. I believe it's 300 or 350 feet, something like that. So, and since most tower cranes uh, uh, in, in, in rural areas never get above 100 foot, there's no way in hell yeah, I'm going to yeah. run one of those. Right. Now, if it's in a, in, in a city like in Houston or in Dallas and in any of those big places, uh, absolutely. If it's above 300 foot, yeah, sure, I'll sign me up because tower cranes actually gets paid the most uh, out of all the uh, uh, types of cranes uh, yeah, out, out there. Right. unions. Right. Union well, yeah. Well, it depends if you work union or non-union. Now, in Europe, you don't have a choice. It's, it's everybody's union regardless, no matter what. Here in the States, you've got a choice. You have union and you've got non-union. Uh, right. And there is a quite a big difference. With union, you actually do all have the benefits and all that. And with working non-union, you don't. You don't have the benefits of uh, right. building, your, building your retirement and stuff like that. Uh, but then on the other hand, being union and uh, versus non-union does also have negative effects. And uh, I'm sure we don't have time to go into that because that might be making well, your broadcast 
you know, <laughs> expansive to like over an hour. <laughs> no, 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 no. To be fair, I didn't think we'd get into the union subject so quickly um, on, on the podcast, to be fair. But it's a great point because over here in the UK on social media and that, um, we see um, um, American operators there seems to be a a bit of a, I wouldn't say fight or argument, but there seems to be a rivalry, right, sorry, rivalry, 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 I can't even pronounce it, sorry, apologies. <laughs> competitive, um, let's competitive. make it competitive. That's it, competitive between non-union and union operators. So whenever there's an accident, like, say, let's say New York, you see a lot of operators going, must be a union operator. Yep. Don't know why that is. Is that because they perceive them as less trained or? Well, no, it's actually the other way around. Um, most unions do have their own training facilities and they will uh, provide the best training to the best, uh, to the best of ability. And okay. that, that does help. Don't get me wrong. But there are screw-ups on either side. You know, that doesn't matter. I mean, you know what and I know and everybody else knows is it doesn't matter if you're a union or non-union or uh, even freelance, it doesn't matter. There's fuck ups on either side. So, and some people yeah. just will, some people will never get it. It's simple as that. Some people will never, ever get it. It's simple yeah. as that. So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, excuse my French, there's badass operators on, on uh, across the board. It doesn't matter if you're union or non union or yeah. e- even freelance. It doesn't matter. There's, there, there's some people are like badass. Seriously, bad ass. But at the same time, there's also a whole bunch of them that shouldn't even belong behind a typewriter. Never mind in a cab. Cab, yeah. And and, and that is, uh, we will touch on this subject because it's one that a lot of people in the UK have asked me to uh, bring up when I uh, finally have an, uh, an experienced American operator on the uh, podcast. It's a subject that we will get onto a bit later on. Sure. about accidents in, in America and what what you reckon might be the cause of them or you know, in any country we have fuck ups you know right. everyone screws up we're human at the end of the day but right. we'll get onto that subject definitely because it's definitely an interesting subject so um, sure. we'll definitely touch on that but currently at the moment what's it like in America right now with the virus going on oh well um, it has quite a major effect on uh, the uh, employment. It's uh, absolutely, I think it's absolutely ridiculous how many people got laid off or terminated or whatever you want to call it that do not have a job anymore. Um, I believe that currently we're around about 30 million Americans, which is more than um, than Holland and, and, and uh, the UK combined. It's absolutely ridiculous, right? That's so, a ridiculous number of people, isn't it? Right. So, and, and, and right because that number is so bloody high, um, there's a, a even the unemployment, uh, I guess you guys call that social security over there or whatever. Yeah, um, the doll social, yeah. Right. Well, they ran out of money. They're bankrupt. So, really? Yes, sir. So, if, if, if you get unemployed now, today, you are literally elephant sideways fucked. There, there's nobody who's got, who's got any money for you because uh, the, uh, the, the government is bankrupt. They ain't got no money. Christ. So so if you was unemployed now, let's say, God forbid, you've got work at the moment, but let's say, let's say for instance, they say, right, Friday, that's it, you're out of work. You've yeah. got no spare cash 
in the bank. You're fucked. You, you, you can't go to your local, well, uh, state council and say I'm unemployed. I need nope. food money. Nope. Food stamps, yes. Uh, well, food money, food stamps. Uh, oh, government, okay. Okay. Yeah, the government did bring that out, and they also brought out a uh, $1,200 a month stimulus, more or less, to support all those people that um, are more or less fishing behind the net because the the uh, Social Security or AKA unemployment here in the U.S. Uh, is bankrupt. Uh, so the, the, the U.S. government is trying their very, very best uh, to help out as much as they possibly can. However, um, those payments are also approximately about three months behind. So in those three months, if you don't have a couple of thousand dollars of savings, yeah, are literally going to be up shit creek. Literally, I mean, it's, so you've got to wait three months for any any payment from the social from the uh, state. Yes, yes, sir. It's it's absolutely uh, scary for a lot of people that in the first place, and it's a bit, a bit ridiculous. But then at the same time, nobody could ever ever prepare for this. Nobody, no. I mean, no. it's, it's no. literally. Um, I I guess the upside of this is that. Um, you know, it's literally history in the making. I mean, we are all part it of it, is. right? It and, is. Um, and and nobody ever got prepared for this. No governments, no army, no nobody around the globe is prepared for this. So it's it's a new experience for all of us, for everybody. And I have to admit, um, I don't know what the news channels say over in the, in Europe uh, about America. I really don't know. But I'm damn proud of having Trump as our president because I'm pretty damn sure. That there is no other president who could do what he has has done and is doing currently for uh, for America and everybody in it. So we we've we the, exactly the same thoughts in the UK. We we get the um we get the extreme left who want to blame the government for everything. And <clears throat> sorry, um, currently you know our prime minister's Boris Johnson. Um, even if he managed to crap out gold bars and save the planet um, or even if he personally got the um, you know solved the problem with the virus someone would find something to blame him for um, but personally I think Boris Johnson and the Conservative government have done an excellent job because like you say it's we've never been in this situation before we were right. going through a bad time um, before this happened with Brexit, and now they've had this dumped on their lap, right. which is you know it's not just Europe or England; it's, it's globally. Everyone is having the same problem. Yep. And I think you know, I personally, I think Trump's doing a fantastic job, um, and I think our government's doing a fantastic job because you know I don't think anyone would want this thrown on their lap. No, no. I mean, you know, considering that everybody, every country, no matter where you go, everybody's armed up to, up to their teeth with all sorts of weapons and nuclear rockets and whatever. And that's great. However, this is basically World War Three. We, we are all fighting. The whole world is fighting against an enemy that's invisible. Yes. Yeah. Invisible. And, and you can't smell it. You can't taste it. That's right. You can't see it. So therefore, it, it's something that nobody is prepared for. Nobody. And that's, uh, I have to admit, I'm, I, yeah, despite that there's, uh, you know, a lot of bad news floating around about this. Um, and there is, there's an upside on it too, though. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know about Europe. I really don't know. 
here because uh, I've been gone out of Europe too long. It's, it's been about 15 years that I've been there last. So, uh, yeah. um, so I'm not quite sure about the developments over there as far as the, med- the medicine world goes. Here in the States, they did find something to help to uh, cure you. And there is uh, thousands of people that are currently in recovery. So, and then they're not, they're not, they're not, so not everybody's dying off. And that's a good thing. So there is an upside to it, but granted, that doesn't mean that everybody just going to, can go, go ahead and, you know, don't wash your hands no more and don't wear the mask. Yeah. I mean, you know, for Christ's sakes, please keep doing that uh, for at least another year for all I care. Because, I mean, because you can't see it. It's an invisible enemy. You can't see this. You can't see the bloody thing. So, you know, just to be on the safe side, just keep on wearing your mask and washing your hands a million times a day. And uh, instead of shaking hands, just do a fist bump or something. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't shake nobody's hands ever again. No. <laughs> fist bumps only. That's it. Fist bumps or even the one that I liked and... Uh, it, it came from America, actually, and and I think we used to take the piss out of you guys for doing it. But now, it, I think it's a brilliant one. I first saw it on a a TV program that came out of America called Gold Rush, right? Where they where they bump hard hats, where, take the hard hats off and bump hard hats in the air. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. I think that's, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, at, at least you can't transfer or anything. You know, it's no, the same thing. No. So how how out in America at the moment, how are the sites coping with it? As in what so when you arrive on site in the morning, right? Um what's different from a couple of months back now? Oh, okay. Well that's quite a bit different actually. Um the six foot or six to ten foot uh, social distancing is uh, strictly enforced with most companies solely and only uh, to prevent spread. Uh, and if you do get caught being in like a little group together, um, that means basically immediate termination. You are terminated on the spot. Um, red yarded. You're gone. Yep. Yep. If you don't, if you cannot live by the rules, you you, you don't you don't belong here. Period. And uh, I think that's a good thing. And the same thing with uh, uh, transportation vehicles on on site. Usually they're either pickup trucks or them uh, ATVs or buggies, uh, or they, they kind of look like uh, golf carts, I guess. Uh, yeah, I know. Right, and they come in two seasons and four seasons. But and it used to be you used to be able to have one of them little uh, buggies and just put four people in them. Not anymore. You got to be sitting uh, about six foot apart. So that means the driver and the passenger, but the passenger is going to have to sit in the back seat. Uh, in the back on the opposite side. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Any. Yeah. And any closer than that, that's a that's a runoff too. So uh, yeah. um, and then through uh, with with checking in or um, with meetings and all that, just uh, stretch your arms out and actually stay a minimal uh, six foot apart at very minimum. You know, so yeah. the the yeah the rules are uh, I guess you know pretty pretty tight and as tight as it can get it. And fortunately. Tons of thousands and thousands and thousands of people lost a job, right? Because of um, jobs being too crowded. And, yeah, you know, to, um, to take an example, for example, if you built, for example, a refinery, right? A refinery, you got thousands of craftsmen there, thousands, um, literally thousands. And then all of a sudden, you get this rule that you need six foot distance or 10 foot radio, um, you know, social distancing is what they call it. 
then all of a sudden you need to cut more than three quarters of your people and they just need to yeah. be gone. So one of the refineries um, uh, was also in Texas. That was actually in uh, Sweeney, Texas, to be exact. Um, they just laid off 4,000 people just like that from one minute to the next. 4,000. It's, 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 it's brutal and it's rough, but yep. it's got to be done because even if you think just as something as simple as like the canteen, yep. you know, a couple of months ago, you go into that canteen, into any refinery, power station, the canteen is rammed, isn't it? You know, you you're struggle to find a seat. Yep. But now you can't sit next to each other. You just can't have that amount of workforce on site. Right. Well, I guess uh, what uh, Gary already kind of touched on with your uh, first broadcast, um, you know, we uh, operators have been practicing social distancing for decades. <laughs> <laughs> We've been practicing for this moment for years. Exactly. For decades. We, yeah. we, got, we got, I got, I got no worries about operators. It's mostly the other people, especially in offices that I'm a little bit more worried about. <laughs> Yeah, it's operators, awesome. we've been practicing this for absolutely years. This is our time to shine now. That, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. no, no, that's that's great. That is. Um, so, anyway, so the site that you're on at the moment, when you arrive, obviously in the morning, you have a briefing, but that's done at a distance as well. I'm guessing. Yes. Yes, and uh, yeah. Normally, then we run, we uh, roll out with uh, pickup trucks, and normally that pickup truck is full with four people, at least. And yeah, now, this, now it's uh, two two yep. at a time. Yep. Two at a time. Yeah, it's um. I, and I can't see, I can't see things changing, not for a long time. Not anytime soon. No. Uh, if you got to believe the experts, and that's then those are the expert. Well, I guess those. They, they call themselves as experts, but I don't know if they are or not. I don't know. Nobody knows who the hell they are. I, I think <laughs> they're, they're experts, but I think these experts are actually learning. Probably, yeah. yeah, they probably are. Yeah, they're, well, they're saying here in the States, they're saying that uh, around about Christmas, the worst should be passed. Should. With the emphasis on should. <laughs> should. Yeah, yeah. That's if, that's if they don't, you know, obviously Wait, we're seeing in the news you've got people um, protesting at the moment, about the lockdown and vaccinations over there. Right. Um, that's only going to spread it. Right. Um, a lot worse. And and I've got to say, I I was guilty when this first started of saying, ah, oh, I think everyone's overreacting. Right. This isn't going to be that bad. It's the media blowing everything up. But, uh, you know, I was one for, pro- you know, I was proved wrong. Right. It has, it has been worse than I ever thought it would be. Right. Well, yeah, if, if, if that's one thing I learned over uh, the past 30 odd years, um, working in uh, working and traveling global, um, it's that, you know, you can never really trust local news because n- the local news is always or nine or 10 times owned by the government. So if you want to yeah. know if you want to know what's really, really, really going on in your country, go to a foreign news channel. So uh, if you want to go on, if you want to know what's going on in the U.K., uh, go to another um, English-speaking um, news channel like uh, Australian News or Canadian yeah. News or U.S. News, and then you're more than likely getting the truth. And vice versa with American, uh, with America, if I want to know what's really, really going on here, I don't go to the local news channels. I just go to BBC One. Yeah, but BBC in the UK is very biased. We're 
we're well, getting yeah. up. We, I don't know what it's like in America at the moment with the media, but um, everyone in the UK is getting really fed up with the media because um, it, no matter what happens, even if something good happens, they manage to put a doom and gloom spin on it. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's because that's that's because that's uh, that's causing high re- high high ratings, and it's all about yes. the rate. It's all about keeping the ratings up. Not about the truth. It's all about ratings. So obviously, you've you've operated in Europe as well. Um, yes. You've operated crawlers and mobiles in Europe. Yes, sir. So, what's the main difference do you see between European operators and American operators? I'm not saying I'm not saying who's better and who's worse. No, no, no. not we're not going to go down that route. Maybe. <laughs> well, we may be going down that route later, but at the moment, what what do you reckon is the main sort of difference between European uh, operators and American operators? Oh well, right, right, because I'm originally European myself. Uh, I only immigrated to the states about 15 years ago. Um, yeah. uh, out of all people, I, I I know what the European training is like. Or what it used to be. I'm not sure if that still exists today. Yeah or nay? I don't yeah, know. But... Yeah, it's, it, it's getting, it's getting. Well, I was just about to say worse. It's you know, the training's getting better, right? But there's more training, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay, okay. Because back in the day, uh, approximately about 30 years ago, we had the uh, the four year apprenticeship, and I still today swear by that. There's uh, there's nothing else that can ever beat a four-year apprenticeship. Now, I don't know if that still exists currently in Europe, here in a, I don't know. Here in it doesn't States... Exist, it doesn't exist in the UK, that's for sure. Oh, it doesn't? Oh, wow. No, 10 days. Oh, no shit, really? Yeah, so and... if... Let's say, let's say, for instance, you was working in Walmart um, this week. Right. And you think, do you know what? I fancy a career in cranes next week. So you pay around about, I think the current rate is around about three, three and a half thousand pounds. Right. You go to one of the training centers in the UK. Um, it's a 10 day course. So two weeks, five, five working days. So 10 days, two weeks, you get yourself a red card, which means that you're a, um, a newbie. You're a, you're a newcomer to the industry. You're a qualified operator, right. but you're not an experienced operator. Oh wow! Um, but you can come out of that training school on the Friday, right? And you can jump straight into a crane on the Monday. Bloody hell! Yeah, that's no good. Well, it it's it, it's kind of more or less the same thing here in the states, uh, but then it doesn't cost three thousand pounds or almost six thousand dollars. It's actually a lot cheaper here. Um, here you can literally just uh, buy the answers for like approximately five hundred dollars, and they'll give you a book with the answers of a computer-based testing system and um, if you study that book, depending on how well your memory works, you can um, be, um, you know, a, a person that works in the in, in, in Wally world today and tomorrow you'll be running cranes. It's fucking, it's, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous, you know? And you yeah. don't buy the bloody answers because the, the, the answers, of course, are numbered in the book that you, that you literally just buy and then yep. go to you to get your computer-based testing system uh you, you go you know go ahead and you go out and then take your test and it's about 50 or 75 or 80 questions or whatever and as long as you remember your answers you're good you pass 
and then one minute, well, one minute you're the, you're you're you know, or you're 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 the helper at Wally World that doesn't know Jack, and the next minute you're running a hundred ton crane. So is that is that <laughs> for the whole country, or is that just like certain states? Uh, that counts for most states. Um, now I know New York; they do have their own license. Um, what uh, in New York? You gotta have to get that license for New York. You actually have to have a New York address. Uh, right. Oh, okay. Right. So, and you got to be a member of, of the union. If you're not union, you you do not work in New York. New York is a uh, they got some really they got a really tough um, regime, I suppose. Regime out there, yeah. That's, right. Um, um, so is that what they call union of operators? Um, the IOU. Yes, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's well. The IOUE actually operates nationwide, but uh, they are individually operated per state or per city, and um, you know, and some of them are operated by not so nice people. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I don't want to go into any details. So we're quite lucky with the um, with the ticket that we the license we get over here, CPCS and CITB. Right. We're fairly well recognised, so there's only a few places in Europe we can't work with it. Um, one is Denmark, which right. is, I think it's TCVA, or I might be wrong on that. I'm sure someone will correct right. me. You're right. Uh, in, in Denmark. Um, and then uh, Spain as well. Um, Spain. Oh, they got their own license now. Okay, that's about bloody their own license. And you have to do. I've only just found this out after working in Spain. Um, you have to do 450, it's either 400 or 450 hours of training on the crane before you can gain your license, which is great because you, you don't get 400 hours of training in the UK, right for it um, it makes you a better person and makes you a better operator well it means you've got more training right because <laughs> i know i know guys who are on, have been on cranes for 20 years and they still couldn't drive a nail in the wall and then i've known, <laughs> I've known guys who have come into the industry five minutes and they've been absolutely awesome operators mm-hmm. so right. um you're either you've either got it or you haven't that's right. That's right. And that's, yeah. So that's why I'm kind of asking what, what the European, what it is in Europe right now, right? Because I do have a European TCVT. I also have the D- Danish uh, TCVA. Um, I got the American um, NCCO. I got the Canadian um, Red Seal, uh, yeah. the Australian CIC. So, yeah, I, I've been basically all over the damn place. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and there is differences in between. Uh, operators, I still swear with the the, the four year apprenticeship, either the European uh, four year apprenticeship or the Canadian one. I really swear by those two. Uh, there, there's nothing that can beat that. Nothing. So, uh, which are which ones are better, better operators? Uh, definitely European and Canadians. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. But because, uh, and don't get me wrong, there is. Uh, I, I know quite a bunch. Uh, uh, hundreds of really badass American operators, and they just got it. You know what I mean? They just got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I got it, or you don't. And and this, and and I also know a whole bunch of operators that really got no place being even the oiler or the rigger or the flagger or the banksman. Never mind being the actual operator. 
So, um, you know, because you really kind of have to know what the hell you're doing. And, um, and, and a lot of the times they just don't, you know, or like, uh, I guess the most perfect example I could give you is, um, a few years back on a job, we had one of those, uh, mini excavator operators, you know, one of them things that fit through your front door, one of them itty bitty yeah. ones. Yeah. Right. Mini diggers. Yeah. Right. One of the mini diggers. Right. And that guy, he could make that thing smoke. I'm not kidding. I mean, he was bad ass with that thing. Right. Uh, I mean, he could dig like a hundred yards or say a hundred meters. I'm not quite sure what the difference is exactly because I kind of lost the metric versus uh, Imperial. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, he was badass with that little thing, right? And then he gave me a call like uh, about two years ago and saying all of a sudden, hey, uh, I got my NCCO and uh, can you can you get me on a job? And I was like, excuse me, you got, you got what? <laughs> so you uh, operating uh, a mini digger through someone's doorway. Right. And uh, he's like, well, I got my NCCO. So, well, what kind of cranes did you, did you pass? All of them. So, what? Really? For real? He said, yeah. <laughs> so he goes, can you get me on on a crane? He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Um, you know, if you've never been under the hook, uh, a.k.a. If, you, if you've never been a banksman or a rigger or a flag or whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to give it, because it's all the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, across the globe, it's got different names, but it means the same profession, right? Yeah. Um, if you've never been under the hook for at least five years, preferably, you know, so you actually have the experience of uh, assembling cranes and disassembling them, moving them, and all that kind of stuff, right? If you and yeah. you're slung a bloody load, not one single load, then you got no business being in that cab, and I'll tell you why. Uh, there's a reason behind that, of course. Now I don't know about Europe anymore because I kind of—it's been too long I've been there. But here in the U.S., not just the operator, but also the rigger are both responsible for the load. So if once the load comes off the ground, whatever happens after that is on the rigger or flag or bankstermen and the operator at the same time. So I told them right there and then I said, look, so, you know, let's just say you are in the seat, right? Say I can hook you up with a with a seat, with a job somewhere. You know, let's, yeah. be, let's say a little RT or a little industrial little crane, something like that. And you got a new greenhorn. Uh, well, I call a greenhorn. Greenhorn is basically a newbie rigger, right? Yeah, yeah. We we call them over here. Um, well, the simple term is either a red ticket because you know their first um, couple of years until they've got the experience, a uh, set amount of hours, um, they're on a red card. Right. Um, I personally and a few other guys we call them half tickets. Right. But right, know, it's the same thing. Same Right, greenhorn, half ticket, red tickets, the same thing, right? So, and I just told them all, as I gave, <clears throat> I gave an example. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, look, so let's just say you, you are in the cab and you get a greenhorn or a half ticket and it's going to rig for you, it's going to sling the load for you. Now, he does something wrong, but you never rigged. You don't have, you never had a, rig, a rigging cart, you never had a, you never slinged, you never flagged, you never did anything. You just went straight from a mini digger, from a micro digger to a crane. And now all of a sudden, your rigger does something wrong, but you don't know that, and neither does he. So yep. now, let's just and, – and, and, and I mean, I'm not bad-mouthing a new one here. I'm not. I'm just, you know, I mean, all no, – no. I'm, all, I'm all for young people getting into the business because the old generation like you and me, we're, we're fixing to go retiring, and there is hardly any new people to replace us. So I'm, I'm all for training, and I'm all for that. But yep. – what are you going to do if something happens with that load and that load is in the air? 
and somebody gets hurt, then what? And he yeah, goes, if you can't see the if if he can't see what the problem is out there, right? And you can't see it physically, right? It's only going to go one way, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And you know, so it's not that I don't I don't trust you. It's not that, and uh, you know, and I want you to learn. So instead of getting your NCCO, your, your crane license straight off the way, straight off the bat, you you should have gotten your rigging license first, and be under the hook first for at least five or ten years, so you know all the ins and outs about rigging up, rigging down, you know, flagging, uh, rigging loads, all sorts of loads, not just symmetrical, but also asymmetrical, because asymmetrical loads are the hardest. So, yeah. right. And, you know, and once you have all that down and you can literally, you know, I mean, it's like a walk in the park to you, then go in the cab because then you can tell at that point if a rigger is or is, is not doing the right job as far as rigging something up goes. Unless, unless it's in the blind. You know, if you make a pick behind the building or inside the building, uh, then you cannot see your rigger and you cannot see his rigging but then at the same time nine or ten times those are those riggers that do that kind of job uh in the blind or inside a building uh usually uh the advanced riggers or the riggers it's, it's definitely i think it's a global thing um because me and gary touched on this last week on the podcast right. there should be a natural progression into yes. the cab and and i for one am a bit um I, I shouldn't really have any rights to talk about it because I never had that natural progression because um, my granddad was a crane operator and my dad was a crane operator. Right. Um, so I learned the old school way of, you know, I was around about 10 when I first got into a crane um, right. from a dad. And, you know, so I learned from that. So I've got no right really to tell people you should have a natural progression. But in my opinion, you know, not everyone's had that luxury of having a dad and a granddad who was a crane operator and you could learn from. Right. So, you know, it's it's hard for me to say, but there should be a natural progression, you know, globally, not just in America and the UK, everywhere. You should right. start off on the ground, getting wet, dirty, and learning the trade. And then the natural progression up to crane operator. And then after that, then lift supervisor, and then what we call the AP appointed person, and then up into management. Yep, yep, that's the way it should be. But uh, people just uh, more or less want to skip all that. They don't want to work for it. They want to go straight to the gold, uh, you know, straight straight to the tr- uh, to the throne, I suppose. And yeah. right, they want to go straight for the king, and that's just not the way it works in in, in any world, no matter where you go. Um, so. And, you know, so I, I told them right there on the spot, I said, look, so I'd, I'd love to hook you up on something, but I cannot hook you, I cannot put you in the crane because that's... Morally. Right, right. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. And I don't want that from nobody. I don't want nobody to get hurt. Not on my side. Not under my, uh, not under my uh, supervision. I, yeah. I, I just don't want to, ha- I just, I, I, yeah, I can't have it because, especially not in the States. Uh, Europe's not that bad, but States is kind of so happy. Everybody likes to sue everybody for everything. So... yeah. Right, so I don't want that, and um, so and he he kind of disagreed. He's like, well, then I'll I'll just do it on my own, I guess. And so okay, well, yeah. well, keep in mind. Um, also, I don't know about Europe, but here in the states, here in the states, if something happens and if you hurt somebody, doesn't matter if it's just a scratch or actually hospital, um, you are liable. 
you are liable indeed. You can go to jail all the way up to manslaughter kind of jail, which means 25 years. Yeah, in, in the UK, it's um, the HSE in the UK is absolutely terrible. As in, if you killed someone, God forbid, we never want it to happen. If someone was killed today on the job site, um, there would be no lawsuit or court case for years. Like, I mean, 10 years. Wow. You, you, yeah, it's, they're so slow here. We've, um, I'm going to go off just quickly on a little rant. Um, <laughs> I keep saying that I don't want to do, but I've got to say this whilst we're on this subject. It's like a nice seamless um, progression into this. The HSE in the UK is absolutely not fit for purpose. So if there was an accident, we've had crane accidents, you know, we're not perfect. Someone's been killed. Then the the relatives have to wait five, six, seven, eight years before something happens. Now, I think the crane industry or just construction, let's just like big carpet blanket, just construction should be more like the aviation industry. So when the accidents happened, it's published what's happened. Then as soon as there's an investigation, that investigation has to be published by law so people learn from it. It's not about a blame game. It should never be about blame game. It should be stopping that from happening again. I hear you. I I totally agree. Yeah, and if the aviation industry can do it, why can't the crane industry, why can't construction do it? We can. It's quite easy. You go investigate what's happened, and you publish it so every yep. man and his dog can read what's happened and then how to prevent it. Right, exactly. Exactly. And I think that the main prevention is in training. I think that's where most countries lack. Um, again, I, I swear with the Canadian or the European four-year apprenticeship, there's really nothing that can beat that, nothing. I mean, you cannot train that amount of information uh, or four years full-time. Uh, and you can you, you just can't cramp that in a book. It's just it's impossible. You cannot do it. You cannot put no. any, every scenario in a book or in a computer, or whatever. You just you, it's not it's just not going to happen. You, you got to learn it out there in the field, hands on. That's the only way. No, there's there's a company in the UK called Select, owned by um, Langer Rocks, and they do an apprentice scheme. And I've got to say, no matter what anyone's sort of thoughts are on. Um, the apprentices that come out of select they do it the right way so they send them off to be trained right they get their training then they're not allowed in a crane on their own um i think i might be wrong here i think it's about a year okay they get mentors so they go out on site or they're in the yard and they're learning the trade um from a you know in a safe place and then when they finally go out on site they're they're supervised by that's, someone experienced. That's a good thing, that. That's a really good thing. A really good thing. And yeah. it's the only way we're getting more and more people into the industry because we're going to, obviously not at the moment because of the virus, we've not got a lack of operators, we've got too many operators. Right. But when the virus is gone in a couple of years' time and then there's another construction boom, we're going to be out of um, decent young operators. Yes. Yes, and that's why I didn't want to, bash the guy the the, the micro the micro uh, excavator operator i didn't want to bash yep. him but at the same time i cannot put my i cannot back him up 100 uh, percent 
uh, while yeah. I'm while I know all he's been running is one of them little micro excavators. I mean, you know, that's not you can't. And he goes like, "Well, crane's crane." Uh, no, it's not. No, <laughs> no, I, I hate that term. A crane's a crane. No, yeah. that, that just comes from someone who's got no experience. Exactly. Exactly. Is even the same manufacturer you can get in, like let's say, for instance, a um, an Atachi. You could get in an eighty-ton Atachi um, on the Monday. You could go to another job and get in this this a similar model, an right. eighty-ton Atachi, or even a hundred-ton. And that crane's got its own personality. Yes, yes. It's, there's no crane that I've ever jumped in that is exactly the same. Right. Well, no, there isn't actually, and. Uh, to touch on that for um, a, a little bit, um, I used to work for a Libre dealer uh, in Europe uh, as a uh, more or less an inspector for, uh, to inspect the cranes prior to delivering them to the customers, making sure that they are um, uh, up to spec that in the first place and that everything works as they're supposed to. And, um, you know, uh, at one point, uh, I had like uh, five LTM 1200s or 1250s uh, sitting in the yard. And they all were brand new, came straight from Anhing in Germany, and they had to be uh, getting ready and tested to go to uh, their to to their owners. Uh, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still there. Sorry. It, yep. Oh, there. okay. <laughs> it sounded like all of a sudden I got hung up on or something. No, uh, no, 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 no. That's that's my end. Sorry. Okay, I got you. Uh, anyways, uh, long story short, uh, all those LTMs they were all in follow up serial numbers. So you, you had like say one, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, six, one, two, three, four, seven, like that, right? Yeah. And each and every single one of them had something different, either a different coat, different switch, different uh, counterweight package, different uh, axle uh, configuration. Uh, none of them were identical, even though they were supposed to. They weren't. None of them. None of them were no. identical. So un- unlike vehicles, like if you go to, uh, for example, any kind of whatever you you know, say you go to, uh, I don't want to advertise, but. Um, no, so, that's fine. That's fine. I so, might get a, I might get a sponsorship deal with um, you start advertising. Oh, okay. So let, let's just say <laughs> let, let's just say you go to a Lexus dealer, right? And you got um, one hundred Lexuses lined up right there. Um, you know they're all going to be identical apart from trim, right? Uh, that's yeah. not that's not so with cranes, right? Because uh, manufacturers they try to cater to uh, all countries around the globe. Um, uh, to uh, you know, to, to to keep their sales up as high as possible. So therefore, each and every crane comes with um, approximately one terabyte worth of options um, to cater to whatever country that crane goes to, and that goes. Yeah. And then you come into the weight differences, uh, actual load differences. I mean, there is quite yeah. a bit of weight load differences uh, per country, and then. Just between Europe and the U.S., there's a quite huge, uh, big difference. And then between the U.S. and Canada and the U.S. and Australia and Dubai and Malaysia and you name it, there's there's um, load and law differences everywhere. So, And they try to cater to that, of course, to, to uh, boost sales uh, and at the same time live up to local specifications and laws. So, therefore, yeah. no crane is identical none so uh, i always uh, basically tell everybody no matter how experienced you are uh if you just came off an lr 1300 or 1600 or 1750 or whatever whatever crane you just came off of yeah um if you go to another job site and you uh, end up in the same model crane but it's not the exact same crane because it doesn't have the same it's serial. Not exactly the same crane okay no. yeah because it it's got a different serial number so 
uh, do yourself, your boss, and everybody else, but mainly to Crane, a favor and read the bloody book. It's in there for a reason. It has to be yeah. in there. Yeah, it's law. It has to be in there. Law here as well. Yeah. Right. It's law. It has to be in there. If there's no manual in it, don't operate it because you just don't know if that switch might have um, men switching from drums in that crane you just came off of. But it might, that, that same switch might just mean something totally different in this crane. See what I'm yeah, saying? We get, we get that with the, like the Atarchis, um, IHIs, Cabelcos. We, we get that. The, the crane from the outside, when you look at it, it looks the same. Right. You get in that seat and there are subtle differences. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, read the bloody book. So, seriously, read the bloody book. You can't go wrong with it. And there's, not, there's, no. No, there's, no, there's no shame in it. And at least there you, isn't. And at least you don't look like a complete retard. You know? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you I've, know. Known, I've known guys before to walk, walk off the site with, their, uh, with the, the manual under their arm. Yeah. If I'm going to have a read of this tonight. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah. That kind of sounds That's, like me right there. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I know some good operators who, you know, who are not ashamed to say, yeah, that, I don't know everything in that crane. I've got the manual here, and I'm, that's bedtime reading for me. That's right. Tonight. That's right. Yeah. And then make, and that's the sign of a good operator. And make pictures of uh, key elements of uh, that that you might need. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh, maximum ma- maximum wind out speeds. Uh, you know, maximum angle that you can track track up or down or uh, anything like that, or reeving specifications and stuff like that. You kind of want to make pictures yeah. of that uh, just so you can. Do a quick reference, uh, you know, look it up on your phone quickly uh, without having to go through 500 books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so whilst we're on this subject right. of what makes a good operator, um, because we're coming to the end now, sadly. Um, oh, come on. I know, I know. We, we'll definitely have to. I've got to do a second um, a part two with Gary, and there's definitely going to be a part two with yourself. Absolutely. Um, so I, the, the next thing that I know everyone is waiting to hear, and it, this isn't operator bashing or anything like that. Right. Um, we see in the UK a lot of news about crane accidents right. in America. Right. Now, obviously, no names, no, no companies, because we all mess up. We yes. all have accidents. Yes. We're human. So, but we see an awful amount. And you know what I'm going to say next? It always involves a tree or a hot tub. A hot tub? Really? It, uh, yeah, that's what we see in the UK. So we see a lot of trees. <laughs> Okay. Taking cranes over, so you'll get um, I don't know what you call them over there. Um, truck cranes are they? Um, yeah. Myabs, um, them sort of cranes. They turn up someone's front front garden, front yard. Yeah. They put the legs out. They put the riggers straight down onto the grass. Yep. And they try and take a ten-ton oak tree where they might have the capacity for half a ton. Yep. yep that we see. Yeah, that is, uh, I guess, also the the fault of a lack of training. Um, nine or ten times, those people are, uh, you know, those little cranes are usually owned by uh, the the, I guess, the tree care place. You know, whatever you call those people, uh, that then yeah. they, they don't do anything but trees, and they just, you know, like I said, they buy the license for five hundred dollars. 
you know, and hey, I got the license now. Now I'm a crane operator and I'm going to make big money. But they don't know how to, how to calculate wood or how to calculate tree trunks of what they weigh. They just don't know how to do that. Why? Because that's not that wasn't in the answer packet. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. It wasn't in the answer packet. That oh man, I got to do math. Damn. How am I going to do math? Why, why, is the, why is the American government, uh, whoever um, your occupational health, like our health and safety, right. why aren't they banning them from doing it? Um, because it's a money train. It's a money yeah. train. That's all it is. And uh, the, the schools, uh, well, they call them schools, but I don't call them schools because if you give somebody the answers and you're going to ask the exact same questions, I'm sorry. You're not doing anything but creating danger. That's all you're doing. But um, uh, what they're telling everybody basically is like, well, he did, he did fine when he did when when he took the test. So yeah. if he fucks up now, it's on him. That's how they get away. So now, yeah. me personally, with some other people, I won't mention the name of. Um, we're working on trying to uh, find a different kind of licensing deal that's gonna. Um, you know, going to do a better job than what the NCCO is doing. Uh, so something that cannot be bought because that's the problem yes. nowadays. Uh, anyone, uh, anyone, uh, and, and, and the grandma can literally just go ahead and buy the NCCO, buy the license. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I'm operator now. No, no. Yeah. All that cart says, all that cart proves is that you can pass a test that you can remember answers. That's all that's it. That's all that is. That's it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't have to do no math, no nothing. You just got to remember uh, what the right answer was: A, B, C, or D. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's multiple choice too, and it's so dumb too that I actually tried it out with uh, a five year old uh, out of all people. Um, yeah, and that five year old, um, she passed the flying colours. Right? <laughs> I mean, if, if if that doesn't tell you how dangerous this uh, this licensing deal me here in the US, it, it I don't know what else to tell you. It's um, there's a problem. It's a serious problem, and it's uh, it, it's little literally ruining um, the whole industry altogether. Um, I mean, uh, it used to be like you know, with the amount of years experience you got, you make more money. Nowadays, there's a yeah. there's an overflow of so-called operators, but I don't call them operators. I call those people lever pullers. Because that's, that's tech. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, what they are. Drivers. That's Liverpool. They don't know jack yeah. shit. They don't know jack shit about the crane, or how it works, yeah. or what makes it tick. They don't know. They got no clue. All they're thinking is like, well, I'll turn the key and I, I pull the levers, and there there goes the load. Yeah, but there, there's more to that than just that. But yeah. you, you know, you and I and everybody else that's been around for quite a while, we can talk to those people till we. To be weighing ounce, it's not gonna, it's not gonna stick. They're not gonna listen to you because they really think they they, they know best. Because they don't have the passion. For that's it. right. That's right. They're only there, solely only for the money. There is no, there, there's no passion for it. There's no heart for it. They don't care. They only care about the money. That's it. That's it. And and that's sad that we're that's that we're heading that way. And me personally, and I know you do too, and Gary and everybody else has been around for you know, quite a while, uh, I guess the dinosaurs, uh, the dinosaurs yeah. would like to reverse that back to the old school and, 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 and bring back the apprenticeship and, um, and, and teach people properly from the ground up of what, uh, yeah, the mental scheme. Sort of thing. Right. Exactly. That's the way, that's the only way to do it because these people that are just by the, literally by the license, they skipped, uh, about, 
80% of what you need to know. Yeah. And, and that's why um, the, ever since they kind of uh, stupefied the, the licensing deal, uh, they literally stupefied it because if a five-year-old can pass it, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, we're screwed. Yeah. The, the, the accident rate went through the roof. Like it, it, it increased like 18,000%. It's insane. And uh, the government's not doing anything about it because the, the chairman of the licensing deal here in the States actually has a little hand in the White House. Um, right. right. And that's the main problem right there. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't have a hand in the White House. I wish. <laughs> no. That, that NCCO would have, been, would have been banned a long time ago. Seriously. Because uh, that yeah. NCCO is what the damn. Everybody bloody knows it. Yeah, I, I think I think there's, there should be a lot of changes. I think globally, not just just not America. I think the UK. I think it's, me personally, Crane should be seen as a specialist. Um, right. Yeah. Me. Me personally, yeah. I, I'd say uh, the Canadian because that's about the only uh, uh, four-year apprenticeship that's left. Um, uh, utilize uh, utilize that or make that mandatory across the globe. So if you have an yeah. operator in yeah. South Africa, Malaysia, Tokyo, China, wherever the hell they are, send them to Canada for four years and let them do that apprenticeship. And if they pass that apprenticeship, you are a true operator. If you just go yeah. through any of those fast schools, but you know, five hours, five days, 10 days, you know, a month, two months, you are not an operator. You are a Liverpool. Liverpool. Right. And yeah. The problem with that is that they are kind of more or less saturating the market, which um, is causing that our hourly rates are plummeting. So now you have somebody sitting uh, right next to you, say, you know, in, 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 in the next crane, say, for example, in your tail crane. So some, yes, somebody's yeah. tailing you, right? And all of a sudden, that guy is going to make the exact same amount of money you do, the exact same money. Yeah, and he's got no experience or no passion. That's right. For it. He's he's only there for the money. And me, that 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 really ticks me to fuck off. Excuse my French. It really does. Yeah, no, no. It fine. ticks me to fuck off because yeah. uh, you, me, and 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 dozens of other people, we're we're bringing thirty, forty years to the table uh, with zero accidents, and um, you know, and and, and a lot of history uh, globally. You work global, I work global, and there's other people that work global too. So therefore, we have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, and yet we get paid the same as somebody who just bought the license for five hundred dollars. Yeah, that, yeah, that's ridiculous. That, that. that's ridiculous. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't feel better than those people. It's not that. What it is no. is that those people literally just bought the license. There is no passion. There is no heart. There is no. They don't care about development. They don't care about safety. They only care about that check. That's it, and yeah. that's a sh- yeah, that's a that's shame. It. And they're the ones, yeah, and they're the ones that start having the accidents. Yep, yep. because they don't know they, they don't they don't know what to look for because they bought the answers. And you know, doing math on a tree or what tree trunk weighs is not part of the answer book. No, that's right. And hey, not only that, it's also you can tell the people who have got no sort of passion or interest in the job when you get in their yep. crane because it's a yep, shit. Up. It is. Yep. Actually, I just had a little um, conversation with that uh, about a month ago. Kind of got into a, a little bashing about that. Um, somebody 
who um, turned a $2.8 million crane into a pigsty. Brand new. Brand new crane. Brand new. I'm not, I mean, the plastic yeah. was still on the bloody seat when it got there. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, right? And uh, But Christ's sake, you know, we, we have to live in them cranes. We, we spend more time that's right. in that cab than we do in our own that's house right. with our family. That's right. So mine, uh, my cab is clean. You can literally eat off the ground if you want to because I usually operate yeah. on my socks. Yeah. Yeah, same, and you know, coronavirus just would not exist in my nope. brain because it's 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 cleaned on a daily That's basis, right. swept out, polished the windows. That's the other thing what really riles me as well is when you get in the crane and you can't see out the That's window. Right. How can you be a good crane operator if you can't see what's going on in front That's of right. you? That's right. It's 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 a whole new breed, and it's the breed of uh, troubles. What it is? Yeah. It's a breed of trouble. So, anyway, sadly, we're coming to the end. Oh, come now. on, man! Come on, we we could, we could we, we could stretch a few more minutes. <laughs> we could we could stretch. I reckon we could stretch a few more hours. Uh, <laughs> but sadly, we're coming to the end. Okay. But right, so I'm going to throw um, a quick question stroke quiz at sure. you now. Shoot. And this obviously hasn't been prepared, so I'm going to throw this at you now. It's only it's only one quick one. Okay. So, favorite crane, Le- worst crane. Oh, that's easy. Lee Bear <laughs> and Stink Belt is your is your best. Yes. And, stink and a Stink Belt. Sorry, Stink yeah. Belt. Yeah, worst. I call I call them Stink Belt because they're <laughs> uh, and 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 Stink Rex. Stink Rex is even worse, by the way. Yeah. Well, we're both. We're both on the same um, hymn sheet with the lever. You can't beat the nope. lever. Um, so, best crane for you is the lever. Absolutely. Worst crane is the belt. Yeah, yeah, stink belt or stink rex. They're both on the same par. Uh, and and growth, <laughs> growth is getting there too. Growth's our piece of junk nowadays. Seriously. Oh, I've never, I've not operated the growth, so I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not going to comment on yeah. that one. Yeah, uh, gross, uh, gross RTs and ATs are going backwards in quality. I'm not kidding. Yeah, no, that's well out of my. Um, I I don't have anything, so I'm going to take your word for that. Well, with, with with the Libra, Libra gets tested before it goes to the customer, and Grove doesn't. Grove yeah. just go rolls them straight from the factory straight to the customer, which means that by the time it gets to your yard, you'll have 500 million codes. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's- Libra have got it down to Yep, they do. With, I mean, don't get me wrong. Libras are not holy. They do also break down, unfortunately. They're mechanical, right. so, you know, everything has a... Um, but whilst we're just on the subject, quickly, I've got to say, because... Um, not because I've got any sort of advertising or anything like that with them, I've got to say that my... The way to go with me would be Libra for big cranes and small cranes and then small cranes is definitely you can't beat a Cabelco. Uh I have to agree crawlers yes crawlers yeah oh yeah yeah sorry uh, apologies I'm I'm talking about crawlers here yeah. so um, I'd say Libra and then um, Cabelco yep. yeah I agree definitely. I agree although uh, I'm very very curious what uh, DMAG is going to come out with uh, because DMAG D-Mag is a great crane. Well, it yeah. is, and it's, it's, yeah, and thank God, thank God they got out of the, they got out of the Stinkrex Corporation 
um, yeah. and now it's owned by Tadano. So I'm very, very, very curious what Tadano is going to come up with. I've had limited experience with Tadano because the, the client that I've got in the UK, they brought two Tadano mantises. Oh, yeah, they suck. Now, I, oh, no, well, no, I operated an old mantis for another client in the UK. It was an old, old right. one. And it was one of the worst experiences I'd had in the front. It was awful. My, I swear, I've still got a pain in my right shoulder from that mantis. But, but since Tadano have brought mantis out, I've got to say, and um, I've met the team from America when we was at Balma, and I've got to say, the Tadano mantis is an awesome crane to operate right. now. The Tadano have done um, amazing oh, yeah. work with that man. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. But the old one, I tell you what, I, I, I'm getting into a sweat now thinking about the old one. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to have nightmares already. You know, as we talk about it, I'm thinking, no, nah, I'd rather just have the vibe. Right. <laughs> but the Tadano Mantis, fantastic, right? Thing. Really enjoyable to right. drive. Well. Yeah, no, I, I do got a little bit more experience with the Tadanos, uh, with the ATs, uh, the all trains mainly, uh, and then the RTs, and uh, they're right up there, right next to Libra as far as ATs goes. Uh, apart from the line pool, yeah. uh, the line pool is a little on the low side, uh, nine or ten times. Yeah. Uh, but as far as smoothness goes, they're they're smooth as glass. I mean, they're just as smooth as a Libra. That's awesome. They're awesome machines. I uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. You know, and, uh, and the quality is also there, and there, there's a lot of, uh, uh, let's just say, parts that are more or less borrowed yeah. from the Germans. And, um, yeah, I, I I love the Tadanos. Tadanos are awesome. Kabakas are awesome. Lee Bears are awesome. Um, Groves, Manowak, Stingbelt, Stingrex, they can all burn up for all I care. And I'll tell you what, we get onto this subject on part two when we when we, do, <laughs> when we, we finally do another podcast. We get onto the subject of Chinese okay. cranes. That's that's for a later date, I'm afraid. Okay. So, um, so anyway, very thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast. Absolutely, no problem, sir. It's been, it's been absolutely brilliant. And I've really enjoyed it. And I hope that whoever listens to this podcast um, also enjoys this because it's been it's it's been a good insight <laughs> and a good laugh along the way, <laughs> definitely. And we could we could talk for hours anyway. Well, yeah, we do anyways. We, we but not online, not 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 on the air. We do anyways. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's it. So, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast, Mark. And um, Stay safe out in America. Absolutely, we're going to keep the shiny. We're going to keep the shiny side up. Shiny side up, mate. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. You too. Uh, no care. problem. Thank you, sir, for having me. Talk to you later. Uh, bye bye.